Today's episode of Switchbacks is sponsored by Happy People Hike, an outdoor-inspired apparel company that is so much more than the clothing they sell. Allison and Dan encourage others to find their happy through wellness, nature, and of course, the power of hiking. Go check out their awesome clothing and accessories and use code SBK at checkout for 10% off your order. Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you're planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. So thanks for tuning in. Today we're chatting about two parks that protect some of the geologic superlatives of our country. We'll also address a listener question about our year-long multi-climate bedding situation. Whew, I'm a little cross-eyed. Yeah, how so? Yeah, I've been working on the website for the past, like, 13 hours today. Our blog? Yes, our blog. So I have been redesigning. I know that I've been talking about this on Instagram, but the the blog is getting a facelift. Much needed facelift. That's right. And it's actually going to be transitioning a little more from being just strictly a blog to hopefully more of an all-encompassing resource. So I'm really excited. Like This has all been you. So it's been props all, it's, to Elizabeth. It's been my summer project. So I'm, I've been trying to update all of the blog pages so if you didn't know every or not the blog pages the park pages so every national park on our blog well all the 59 national parks have a home on our blog um and if you go to switchbackkids.com slash the name of a park and if it's multiple words so for example grand canyon national park switchbackkids.com slash grand dash canyon okay or like in the case of everglades switchbackkids.com slash everglades okay so, i got it <laughs> <laughs> just to make it very clear so you can find any national park that way you can also search in the search bar um, but basically we have tried to create a hub for all the resources that on our website that you would need about that specific park so when you go to that park you can see a few pictures you can see links to our video and our photo gallery and our all the blog posts we've written about that park and also the podcast that we have now recorded about most parks. So all of the resources that we have created, all of the content we have been creating over the last two years is now in one spot for each specific park. So that's like hallelujah. Yeah. That's like it's, it's not done yet by any means, but it's it's much better. It's getting better. And I've done a little bit of a redesign. So if you go to our blog and look at it, tell me what you think about it because it is I, I don't even know. I've it could be terrible. <laughs> Who knows? Cuz it's been it's I've, I at this point I'm like you've been not staring at it straight. so long. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's even got different stuff like our um, campground reviews and stuff that you've been working on this summer in addition to the redesign. Right. So now we also have reviewed, formally reviewed 
one campground per national park that we visited. So there's probably more, well, there's definitely more campgrounds than parks that we stayed at um, because in some parks we stayed at multiple campgrounds or in between parks. But if you go to the dirt, if you know of that that uh, campground review website, D-Y-R-T, the dirt, uh, com, you can see, you can find us or you can go to where we've linked it and uh, discover all the campgrounds that we have ever stayed at, which is a really cool uh, resource for you guys too, hopefully, you can find. Yeah, so that's been an exciting project. Again, all Elizabeth. Um, so You've been uh, bringing home the bacon though, so... That's what I like to think, uh, or something like that. I just like wish that. it was literal bacon sometimes. <laughs> but the thing at hand today, our podcast, we are talking about two very cool parks. Um, yeah, these are two big ones. This is this is going to be a fun podcast because they're they're sort of weird, unique, extreme sort of parks extreme examples of some of the the cool uh, features that you can see at national parks. Yeah, and before even that, we have some parks in the news to get to. So yes, what parks happened? in the news. You didn't give it time for oh. the, the music. Ready? We... Pause. <laughs> we have intro music. Okay, so parks in the news. We felt like we wanted to address the funny little drama that's going on in every single Google alert that we've gotten for the past, like, two weeks. So we have a Google alert for national parks. So in our email, we see all the national parks news. Um, And if you're interested, I would suggest you do that, too. It's kind of fun. But anyway, um, the Senior Lifetime Pass, National Parks Pass, is, is increasing by $70 in August, on August 28th. And... People are losing their minds <laughs> unnecessarily, in our opinion. <laughs> They're sprinting, shuffling. Yeah, well, here's here's one headline that I just popped open. It says, seniors rush to buy lifetime pass to national parks before $70 increase in August. So I can just see the shuffle playing right fast now. and loose with the yeah. word rush there. they're racing their rvs no we're we're just kidding no we, um, you can also buy them yeah, online we, we so that would be we a joke. rush anyway Quick little flick of the mouse yeah on one hand it's a uh, 700 percent increase um or something like that to 80 dollars it's going up 70 dollars so that's a big change but also it was absurdly, ridiculously, <laughs> mind-blowingly cheap in the first place. $10 yeah. for the all the parks you can park for the rest of your life. Yeah, on the other hand, it's $80 for life with half-off camping for life. That's yeah. insane. That's insanely re- reasonable, hopefully for everybody. Yeah, and you're getting Social Security now or in a few years, so... I think you can afford it. I think a lot of people might be mad at us <laughs> in, yeah. in five seconds. But anyway, here's your PSA. If you are above the age of, I believe, 62, 62 and up, um, you can you can still get your pass. If it's postmarked before, if your request or whatever is postmarked before August 28th, um, it's will, they will still um, 
they will still what word am i looking for honor it honor thank you yeah. they will honor that uh ten dollar price so rush to the your local national park and go get your pass so let's get on to the main event yes the two national parks that we're talking about today are yeah so we're talking about arches national park and Crater Lake National Park. And the reason we're talking about these two national parks is because we are um, we're still covering this theme of why the national parks are protected, what what we value as a country to protect. And today we're the the theme of uh, continuing that theme, we're talking about geo- geologic oddities, geologic oddities, or superlatives or anomalies or any of those uh, words you want to you want to say but basically rare things in geology (laughs) good one rare earth things are you done yes (laughs) (laughs) so the national nps.gov website says that the national parks quote preserve spectacular icons of our nation's geologic heritage and contain some of the world's finest examples of geologic phenomena from glaciers to barrier islands, from volcanoes to dinosaurs, the parks have it all, including arches, canyons, caves, mountains, and sand dunes. The best geologist is the one who has seen the most rocks. So if you're interested in geology and scenic landscapes, there is no substitute for visiting and experiencing geologic sites in the field. Come and explore the world's most magnificent rock collection, your national parks. What an awesome pitch, right? I just want to go check out all the rocks. I want to go play on some rocks so bad. <laughs> so that leads in. That is a very good lead into our first national park that we're going to be talking about, which is all about the rocks and the rock formations. And that's Arches, which is in the lovely area of southern Utah, right outside of Moab, which is an awesome gateway city. Right. P.S. So Arches is one of the five national parks in utah its neighbor is canyonlands it's outside of moab and the thing arches arches is very well known for is containing the greatest density of arches in the world over 2,000 cataloged arches in every stage of arch formation right that's what's interesting is that there's like you can see the kind of the the like life cycle of it an arch yeah from ones that are not quite hollowed out yet just just almost concaves or hollows in the rock to ones that have gone totally through being an arch and are now just collapsed and look like a pillar coming out of the ground yeah and there's one landscape arch that's the really long skinny one and they think that that one's going to crumble in our lifetime seriously didn't they say that Mm. i hope i'm not making that up double check my facts people um because i'm not going to (laughs) uh no this isn't that type of podcast (laughs) we don't care about facts but hey but i think that i remember them saying that it's so long and skinny that I think they said it's it's uh, could happen within our lifetime. A base of 300 feet, to be exact. The longest, oh, yeah. widest in the world. Yep. Um, yeah, so arches are super different fundamentally from natural bridges, actually, in that bridges are formed by flowing water, 
and arches are formed by, do we know? <laughs> uh, erosion. Exactly. Yes. Got erosion. <laughs> I was really sweating there. You didn't put it on the notes, so I'm like, I, I hope you know. Cause... Well, that was copied and pasted. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm glad we're really spending a lot of time in show prep here. <laughs> I just want to make sure the facts are accurate. <laughs> It's all from the NPS website. Perfect. That Whatever works. For the record. I'll give you a break because you were spending 12 hours a day on the website. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. I feel so appreciated. <laughs> anyway, arches formed by erosion and wind over thousands and thousands of years. So going into this arid desert landscape it's just so incredible to see um, these arches everywhere and it's really a f- visitor friendly family friendly all access friendly park because you do not have to venture very far to see these arches they're all around you can take you know some you can see from the road some are just a, sh- a brief hike away so and it's also a really compact area. That's one of the reasons it's the most dense area of arches arches in the world, uh, because it's an actually a pretty small park. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's also dense in visitors. Right. <laughs> and not only arches, but also visitors, um, especially around some of the more popular trails and around some of the popular um, overlooks off the road. You know, there are giant tour buses that go through arches, um, making it, especially during the, the daytime, maybe like 10 to 2-ish, is probably pretty crowded. If you had to guess, what would you say arches ranks out of the 59 national parks? Where would it be Ooh. in visitors? I don't like when you quiz me. <laughs> yeah. I usually get to quiz you. Um, I would No, I would say it's uh, maybe around number eight or nine you're giving it too much credit it's 15 okay and it, it has, seemed really crowded when we were there yeah that's because <laughs> it's so small yeah it, it has 1.6 million visitors in 2016 still very that's a lot right for sure um especially around trails like delicate arch which is the most popular arch in the park and it's the utah license plate it's the really tall uh, just amazing freestanding arch that looks like cowboy pants oh yeah you've never heard that uh no it I don't totally think I have. looks like cowboy pants though I, right oh i can picture it yeah now. yeah um, for sure anyway yeah so let's get into some of the specifics delicate arch is the most famous spot it's also a must for any park visitor because it's just that unique that spectacular um we you know went kind of in the middle of the day i think mid-morning no we went morning because we we definitely beat okay some of, we didn't beat the like we could have gotten up earlier and beat the crowds but we we still beat most of the crowds because when we got there nobody was taking pictures underneath the arch yet right which was clutch and then one person ran underneath the arch and then that opened the floodgates, and, and it, the arch was never, um, like, per- person-free yeah. at, at all for the rest of the time. But we did get some pictures without any people underneath, which is pretty rare. 
Yeah, and that I guess that did peeve us a lot, didn't it? Uh, no, I mean, I think we kind of expected it. Yeah. But yeah, so, most of the people were wearing high heels. That's what peeved me. <laughs> How did you walk up here in high heels? Yeah, because it's not a super easy walk. It's about... It's pretty tough. It's pretty steep. A mile and a half, I think, because it's mm-hmm. three miles round trip. Um, and what makes it tough is improper footwear and uh, no water. That people... It's user error. It wasn't... It's not tough if you're prepared and if you take it easy and if you're wearing the correct clothes. Um, I think it's about three miles round trip. I think you're looking it up now. <laughs> yeah, three point two to be exact. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so delicate arch definitely a must do. Um, we loved camping in Devil's Garden, which was the only campground, the the only developed campground in Arches National Park, and that gave us really good access to some of these trails early in the morning if we wanted to go early in the morning. Right. Because the just getting into the entrance alone was taking people about an hour when and especially during you know during holiday weekends and summer you know busy season i i remember them put posting something on facebook that said the labor day crowds were the entrance was expected to be about a three hour wait just to get in to the park nuts which is insane so if you can snag a campsite in the back of the park this is a really good way to kind of like you know get an early in at some of the trails and popular spots. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck fighting crowds all day. Yeah, and the campground itself is really cool because you're just among all the rocks. There's definitely people nearby. But they're so pretty spacious. We yeah. had a huge site. for. We had a fr- We were met a friend, so we had two uh, tents and, and a picnic table and tons of space. Yeah, and you can climb up on the rocks all around. Um, there's a trail that leaves from the back of the campground. So it's just a really... And I reviewed it on the dirt. So if you want to go read all of our details, oh. you can go to the dirt and well, look for garden, gar, uh, Devil's Garden Campground. Well, let's stop um, talking about it then. Yeah, go, go read it. <laughs> <laughs> so besides the Devil's Garden Campground, one of the ways we took advantage of staying there was one morning when we went to um, the Devil's Garden Loop. Mm-hmm. So, and we did that really early in the morning, and it definitely paid off. Yeah, you get to go by seven different arches if you do the whole entire loop. I believe it's about seven miles yeah. and seven arches. And um, this is probably the most popular area besides uh, Delicate Arch because it does have so many good arches at once. And I would say especially the first half mile or so however long it takes you to get to landscape arch especially because that is one of the iconic arches along with delicate arch so sometimes people go there and then turn around but we super recommend making the big loop yeah lots of really cool spots and you lose a lot of the crowds pretty instantly pat once you get past that landscape arch yeah Another way to get away from the crowds, which I highly, highly, high, I think you will highly recommend also, maybe even more, is to get a permit for the Fiery Furnace. That was one of the coolest areas of Arches National Park. It's Amen. It's a restricted area, so visitors cannot go on this hike, um, if you want to call it that, quote, hike, <laughs> without a permit. Um, you can have a, you can get a permit for a, a guided tour, which is $10 a person, or you can go on a self-guided hike, 
around this area for $4 a person, but you have to, you know, go through an orientation and they a little flashcard quiz about whether or not you should touch the soil, biologic soil crust. Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> you should not rub up against the soil crust. Um, but if you can do that, $4 a person, and you get to go into this, it's just like a labyrinth, a maze area that is just incredibly intricate and uh you get you definitely get lost so you kind of you know you want to keep your bearings a little bit um there are a lot of layers so it's a, it's almost like you can climb up and get to a whole nother level of the park so just picture a maze of rocks that you just get to play on anywhere you want to go there aren't really trails well there's not trails at all you just kind of stay on the rocks and find your way around it's super cool yeah it kind of reminded me of joshua tree a little bit in that you were scampering over these huge boulders but to me it was a lot cooler in the sense that you can go through this maze you know it's not just on top of the rocks you're in between and and under and crawling through these little slots in the walls and if you watch our video about arches you can see how long it took me to get through one of these (laughs) yeah yeah check out the video at switchbackkids.com slash arches slash arches uh because it was just a really neat area you can also climb up really high and see a ton of the surrounding landscape uh all the you know formations below you and one of the things i liked the best was just finding randomly getting surprised by these small no-name arches that were mm-hmm. throughout the fiery furnace area because it's really cool to see the the huge famous things like delicate arch but you know they're there you know they're a big deal and you're also surrounded by a bunch of people it's just such a different more intimate experience when you're hiking kind of exploring for yourself finding your own way in the fiery furnace and you turn a corner, and then there's just this arch. It's not the biggest, it's not the longest, but it is something that you found on your own and you didn't know was supposed to be there. So that was just especially cool for me, finding these random arches. Definitely. I, I had fun. We kind of played follow the leader and took turns, and it was it was just really fun to not feel like we had to follow a specific trail or that we had to like you know get our however many miles to the end of the trail it was just kind of a free-for-all and we got to stay as long as we wanted it was great yeah so another a couple of other ways that we would a couple of other tips we have for um maybe enhancing your experience at arches uh one would be to visit during the off season so that would be not not in the summer and not in the late summer I think that's still pretty busy, but and but it's also the hottest. So if you can avoid the summer season, you can actually have much more pleasant weather. So I looked up in April and October have about the same weather, which is in the low 70s, which I think sounds wonderful for hiking and and photography and and exploring. And then versus the summer, it's about high 90s um, for the highs. And and also you would have fewer crowds, of course. Um, another thing to do is just go explore during non-peak times of the day, so early, early morning, or we love evenings in the national parks too because a lot of people go to dinner in town. Um, they leave the national park, so 
And you get to kind of watch the sunset, too. And we saw one of the most amazing sunsets of the whole entire trip, um, driving through arches during during the evening, which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also some less popular trails and activities that you can explore. Uh, for example, like we talked about, doing the whole Devil's Garden Loop gets you away from the crowds. Also, there's a whole area of the park called Tower, well, which is where Tower Arch is. And Tower Arch um, is another one of those just kind of hidden in the back arches, which you can kind of climb up and get an awesome, awesome view. Um, how you do have to take a dirt road to get there. How long do you think that took? Maybe 30 minutes from the main road? Maybe a little longer, maybe 30 to 45 minutes. But it was a nice drive. Yeah. And there was nobody back there. That was the most crazy thing is that we were there. I don't think we mentioned this, but we were there at the very beginning of October, like the first week of October. Um, and we had, there was nobody around. I think the Tower Arch Trail is about two and a half miles round, right. round trip. Um, and it was great. It was wonderful. I think it was a nice little well-kept secret. Yeah, I think it might be two and a half out and back, so one way. Uh, or maybe... I think it... No, it was not five. It was... I think it was two. Just two and a half. Round okay. trip. Anyway, the, it's again one of those things where it, hiking to it and it not being... You know, having your own experience with Tower Arch was just super uh, impactful and... I don't know, made it much more of, of a memorable experience. So there are definitely those places, as small and compact as Arches is, uh, there are definitely those really remote spots that you can get to. And you can even go backcountry hiking, you know, in a really unexplored off the beaten path area, you know, in the western portion of the park. Um, yeah, it is and highly, get super away. it's highly regulated and there are only a few you know, specific areas where you can backcountry camp. So you want to look into that before you just set off. But there are, yeah, there are all sorts of places to explore. And on the beaten path in Arches, we we would highly recommend spending a little bit of time in Moab because it was one of our favorite gateway cities. For sure. In all the national parks. It's um, a cute little outdoorsy town, lots of coffee shops, lots of outdoor shops, um, plenty of restaurants and things to do and just kind great, of fun for walking around great mountain biking it's known for its world famous slick rock trail mm-hmm. so that's definitely we actually remember when we so when we in between Canyonlands and arches we thought let's you know maybe get a hotel or something but then we were like the hotels that were really expensive we stayed at the koa in moab and really liked it and that was our hotel night yeah, that right. Was, that felt like luxury because we had showers and electricity and we hung out in the little uh, game room and did our laundry. And I think we even got a snippet of weak Wi-Fi, right? Yeah, that's the life. <laughs> Man. So I think we've exhausted Arches. It's, an, it's, it's worthy of exhaustion, though. It, it is, is, definitely. It's a great park. But so is our park number two, which is... Known for another interesting geologic superlative, which is Crater Lake National Park. But first, we wanted to quickly pause and talk about some of our National Park's loving friends, Allison and Dan from Happy People Hike. 
They've created a clothing company that gives back to the same outdoors their t-shirts promote. And their clothing is amazing. Cole wore his basic Happy People Hike t-shirt, which is on sale right now for only $10. Way too many days in a row while we hiked and camped our way through the national parks. I've also got my eye on a few things I might need to add to my wardrobe soon. A gray t-shirt, maybe a zip-up hoodie, ooh, maybe a hat. Okay, Cole is giving me a look, but shopping at Happy People Hike is more than just getting a new shirt. For every purchase, Allison and Dan will have a tree planted in a national forest through the National Forest Foundation. For shopping with positive consequences, look no further than Happy People Hike. And don't forget, you can get 10% off your order with coupon code SBK. That's SBK for 10% off clothing and accessories at happypeoplehike.com. Now, back to the show. All right, so Crater Lake National Park, the deepest lake in the U.S., the second deepest lake in the whole Western Hemisphere. Definitely a super interesting place. Do you remember all of the really odd things we learned about Crater Lake? Yeah, one of them that was just so crazy was the old man in the lake or something. It, what was it? Was it that floating stick? It was a, a huge log. It wasn't a stick. <laughs> just a little stick. It was like a log that was the size of five people. And uh, it, it was... <laughs> so it's one of those super odd stories where it, nobody knows how it got there how it started uh, because they just found it uh, when they discovered the lake and it stuck completely upright so it's floating for years and years and years just upright in the lake and it would kind of bob from one end of the lake to another and people used to be able to go out and sit on it uh, and they would take tour boat tours out there, you know, back when they had way less restrictions or, m- you know, mind of how, um, you know, they could actually mess natural stuff like this up. Uh, they, yeah, they allowed people to sit on it. Now you can't do that. Um, <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. But it's still out there. It's still bobbing around. And I just think that's uh, a super quirky story about Crater Lake, but there's a ton of other stuff too. Definitely, and we've wrote about we've wrote we've written about this on our blog too, um, so you can go read all the list of all the oddities. Um, it's also interestingly, it's the place in the lower 48 that gets the most amount of snow every year, uh, precipitation, right? So about 40 feet of snow every year that Crater Lake National Park receives, which is crazy. It's so much snow. And so it takes a long, long, long time to plow the roads, which means when we visited in April, they were nowhere close to plowing the roads. So we had a very different experience at, at Crater Lake than most people did. Right. We, when we went, they had cleared all the way up from the entrance and the visitor center to the rim of the lake. But that was it. They were just starting to go, to plow around the 30-mile loop that um, road that runs around the entire rim. So we got up to the rim. We were able to do some stuff from there, but uh, we definitely couldn't drive all the way around. We couldn't hike all the way around. We could, however, 
do one of our new favorite activities in the winter for winter cross-country skiing oh i thought you were talking about snowshoe tour no are you joking then i am joking (laughs) (laughs) we were so bad at cross-country skiing yeah we We really thought like okay we're reasonably athletic (laughs) we should be able to just pick this up like we've never done it before but surely when we rent cross-country skis like probably a lot of dumb tourists do it all the time and are fine so we'll we'll be fine that was what our mindset was so we got them up to the rim we strapped them on with a surprising amount of difficulty just getting into the skis um i think that was when our first uh, arguments started just about how neither one of us could help the other strap into the skis uh but then we got going down the first hill realized we don't know how to brake or turn in these super long skis we just know how to slide and okay i guess i'm falling over now because that's a rim of a crater lake right so we just had to bail a lot yeah which was fine we got far enough and we got it. We, we definitely got it down a, a little bit. It was too hilly. I don't think it was a good place to practice cross country skiing for the first time because there were a lot of hills. Um, now, if the if it was just on the road, and the road you know had been packed snow or something, and it was flat, then I think we would have been fine. But this was a, an entirely different scenario where there was sort of a a, a ski trail. Um, but it went up and down and up and down around the lake. Because the problem was we started on the area where they had started clearing the road. So we couldn't obviously drive on the asphalt or ski on the asphalt part that was already cleared. We had to ski on the on top of the 12-foot wall on the shoulder of the road, basically. So on one side, we had a big 12-foot drop down to the asphalt. And the other side, we had a wall of trees. So we were just shuffling. (laughs) Yeah. Like seniors (laughs) in August. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But anyway, um, enough about our failures. What we also... Still really recommend it, though. Yeah. If you're down in in the winter there, it was super fun. I, I probably liked it a little more than you, but... Maybe. Yeah, I... I do. <laughs> do I need to remind you how I, much we uh, argued and you need to got pray. at each other's I don't believe you. throats um, and how you really needed to go back into the lodge and get a, <laughs> a hot drink a coffee. to calm your nerves? Probably. Um, anyway, we also really liked the snowshoe tour. That's another fun winter activity in Crater Lake. And we got to hang out with a ranger for a couple hours and... Uh, walk around in the woods and learn about the the lake formation and how it became a national park and we got to slide down a hill on our stomachs that was my favorite that was part so for sure in the snow we were just walking up all, all of a sudden the ranger starts leading us up this straight hill to no apparent destination because there was a huge cliff at the top where we knew we weren't going past um and once we got there, he just turns around and he says, all right, now we're going to act like water molecules. Kind of makes one of those corny ranger jokes. And he uh, 
he he just lays flat on his belly and slides all the way down the hill so we were like is this a ranger program yeah or is this someone who's like gonna take us hostage because we usually rangers are like all you know don't step off the trail don't like be careful be careful be careful be careful you know really really cautious because they have to be because they have to be yeah but this guy was so fun yeah and we got to slide down a massive hill and i totally went so fast I know, you got to go last. Yeah, so it was all packed ice, basically, where everybody else had slid down. Uh, so, yeah, that was the best. But the hike actually was pretty long. Uh, it was probably over four miles, mm-hmm. which seems, you know, five miles, which seems like a lot on snowshoes. Um, but the, the probably m- my favorite part out of all of it uh, we did get to do those two really unique, cool activities, but just seeing the lake from the rim was unbelievable. Uh, and you should really, if you've never seen it, please check out our posts about it. Check out our video about it. You can also see us sliding down and falling a thousand times on cross country skis. But um, the the view from the rim is is just breathtaking it's so pristine that is the that is the word i would use yeah the the lake looked like glass it definitely didn't look real um we had a perfect clear still day and there was not even wind so the lake was like this intense really real like the bluest blue um that we could imagine and yeah just seeing it up like walking up the hill to the to the rim and looking at it for the first time it was just it's such a an interesting place it's it's like no other lake you'll ever see again and so since we're on the topic of geological wonders what makes it fit into that category I'm putting me on the spot here. No, I, I'm just leading you. I'm setting you, you up. It's, well, it's I don't a want you. I don't know what question. you're. I don't know what you're asking me to set oh. you up for. Are you talking about how it was formed by the yeah. collapse of? Go ahead. Okay. I don't <laughs> remember the whole story. Okay, fine. Why, why would you ask me that? <laughs> Something about knowledge. That's not my part. Yeah, I guess I'm the fact nerd out of the two of us. So, Crater Lake was formed when. The 12,000-foot Mount Mazama erupted with a force six times greater than Mount St. Helens when that blew up in Washington. Uh, And the top of the mountain basically collapsed into itself. So that was 7,700 years ago. So actually not that long ago in geologic terms. Um, But it left this gigantic crater that was 4,000 feet deep. And um, then, basically, it filled in with rainwater. Because it has so much precipitation in the area. Yeah. I mean, just imagine this 40 feet of snow every year mm-hmm. and how much water that generates. Uh, it, it created a lake inside. And so that's why it's so pristine is because most lakes have an entry point from a river, from a stream, from a creek or something. And they also have an exit point, which works up a bunch of dirt and dust. And uh, not dust, but like debris. Uh, Crater Lake has no entry point or exit point. So it just stays this really uh, immaculate, blue, perfect clarity. So not is it 
not only is it the deepest in the U.S., it's also the clearest water in the U.S. Uh, and they do a bunch of scientific studies about the clarity of the water. Um, and it's just a really important resource, as well as being a beautiful natural treasure. So that's how it's related to uh, being a geologic wonder. Yes. It's very interesting um, and beyond just being beautiful. We also, so because we had such limited options, um, like we said, we did some snowshoeing. We rented cross-country skis from a resort down the road, and we also hiked around just a bit on our own. Um, my One of my favorite parts was just relaxing in the lodge. They had a really, really nice lodge right on the rim. And you, if you go to the second floor, it had just chairs with giant windows that overlooked the lake. And under, um, on the first floor, you can get some snacks, you can get coffee, and just go up and sit. And on a, on a winter day, it was perfect to um, just warm up a little bit. On a summer day, it might be good to just cool down a little bit or just relax for a little bit. But I always appreciate the um, pretty lodges and visitor centers, and I really like to always go in those when we're at the national parks. Yeah. So one of the best things about our year, I think, is that we were forced to go in times of the year that weren't always peak season. You know, if I was just planning a vacation to Crater Lake, I would have definitely made sure that it was when the whole rim road was open so I could see all the park. But since we didn't have that, we had to change and adapt our visit and we got to try a bunch of cool things that we had never tried before, mostly cross-country skiing. Um, and then you also just get the whole different perspective of a snow-covered lake, a snow-covered rim, a snow-covered wizard island, which is the random island in the middle of the lake where the volcano tried to recover and rebuild the mountain. Um, so it's just like a little cone of land in the middle of the lake. Um, but that snow just, first of all, made it gorgeous. And second of all, gave us a whole different feel for the park. Yeah. And it also it just, it's a point of not limiting yourself only to that summer season, especially if you're someone who, um, you know, likes unique experiences. This was definitely not, you know... Like Cole said, if we visited in the summer, we probably would have maybe would have biked the rim road. We would have done a lot more hiking in the area. We would have camped in the park for sure. Um, but this just allowed us to kind of have to get creative and try some new sports that we never tried before and learn about the park a lot more also because I think we were able, since we ha still had a few days in this park, we had, we had a lot more time to talk to the rangers and read um, – you know, all the signs in the visitor center and in the in the um, lodge and learn just a little bit more about the stories and the oddities behind this park. So it was really hard to pick two, just two geologic superlative parks um, because there are so many national parks that are known for their geologic features, whether it's Badlands whether it's Grand Canyon, uh, Pinnacles, Bryce Canyon, uh, Yosemite, just the, there. A lot of the national parks are based around rocks. 
Yeah. Whether it's a mountain or a canyon or a barrier reef or anything in between. Well, barrier reef is actually well a, a barrier a island, barrier animal. a barrier island. Okay. That's what I meant. Like I'll the let keys. It slide. Like the keys. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's you read that part at the beginning of the podcast. No. I, <laughs> There's some really cool rocks out there, so definitely. And we didn't necessarily pick it based on the the parks that had the most uh, the the most intense form of this. Um, it was more, you know, two parks that had this interesting thing in common that they were pro- that they seem to have um, their their protection is based a lot around these geologic oddities. Exactly. So, yeah, go check them out. Go check out all the rocks in all the national <laughs> parks and understand why they're protected, why they're so fragile, um, why they're so important to science and what makes them um, important to preserve for generations. Okay, now we have a listener question. Here's Carrie. Hello, Cole and Elizabeth. My name is Carrie and I have three comments for you today. The first is that our family bleeds gray and green, and we so enjoy listening to your podcasts. Thank you for sharing your adventures with us. The second comment is a question regarding bedding. You two spent some very cold nights and some very warm nights on your trip, and a lot of nights on the trail uh, where you would have needed bedding, I assume, that was lightweight and compact. So my question is, what what strategies or maybe what products do you recommend for sleeping comfortably in a variety of temperatures? And my third comment has to do with a theme you're addressing right now. This is a shout out to Natural Bridges National Monument in Utah. Our family visited Natural Bridges a couple years ago and we were just blown away by the site. The wow factor of the bridges is off the charts. Uh, the variety of things to see there really impressed us, and the beauty and the quietude of the campground. We just fell in love with this place. Um, of all our destinations on that trip, which also included six other national parks, parks, this stop was quite possibly my favorite. <laughs> so um, just because an NPS site isn't designated a national park, doesn't mean it's any less beautiful or breathtaking or worth taking the time to see than the parks are. So thank you for me listening to me talk for way too long. Keep up the great podcast. Happy camping and Carrie out. All right. Thank you, Carrie, so much. We loved your question and your uh, and your comments also. Um, and thank you guys for listening to our podcast. We are so happy for your support. So yeah, we'll talk we love about hearing feedback. Yeah, yay. Um Anyone else, if you'd like to ask a question, you can always do that on our on our blog, um, on the show notes for this podcast. So you can go to switchbackkids.com and leave us a voicemail. And if your question is read on a podcast, we will send you a National Parks print. So let's address the question of bedding for our trip. And it was a really good one because uh, we it was definitely something we had to get through a lot. We tried to plan as well as we could for what we knew were going to be a lot of different climates that we had to experience, but you also can't pack, you know, five different sleeping bags, and we probably also couldn't purchase five different sleeping bags, Um, so we had to really think strategically about it. And we had a system that I think worked really, really well because we used the same sleeping bags for our entire year. So one thing that I would recommend off the bat for a couple like us um, is 
are rectangular sleeping bags. So we have, we do, we also have some mummy shaped sleeping bags, but with rectangular sleeping bags, we can zip them together. And I think that the body heat um, trumps the, you know, individual mummy sleeping bag that, you know, that even if they're well, better insulated, the body heat, I think, is is better than all of that. So rectangular sleeping bags that can zip together, that was key. That was so clutch for us. Definitely. So with that in mind, our specific sleeping bag, they were L.L. Bean down sleeping bags. They they had something called down tech um, in them. They're 20 degree rectangular sleeping bags. Um, they were really, really high quality. The down inside of them didn't shift at all. It didn't, you know, clump together. It never needed, nothing on the sleeping bag ever ripped or needed anything to be repaired. Um, the zipper never got stuck. They were, we loved these sleeping bags. They yeah. were pretty good medium, medium um, warmth. So right. they say 20 degree, but anything below 40 or 45 degrees was pretty cold. Right. So what we did in addition to the sleeping bags is we had flannel sleeping or fleece. I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> How? <laughs> the FLs, Not, no of ex- course. No excuses. FL, um, fleece sleeping bag liners. Yeah. So, again, that was a rectangular, basically, sleeping bag liner that we zipped together, and we just put that right inside our sleeping bag. So it was a double layer. And and those were really cheap. So those yeah. did we didn't feel like had to be good quality. And I looked, you can get those on Amazon. Ours was a Coleman brand, I think, um, but you can get them for less than twenty dollars. The the fleece ones. But going back to the LL Bean ones, they just make it really flexible. You know, it, it was great to add in that extra layer when you needed the extra warmth. Definitely, um, and that really was all that we needed for cold nights. And we probably got down to about twenty to twenty. 223 degrees maybe in hot springs arkansas that was our coldest <laughs> night um but anyway the down sleeping bags as far you mentioned something about them being compact they weren't extremely compact um they're about two pounds 15 ounces they're exactly two pounds 15 ounces because i looked this up on the website and they pack into a bag that's about eight inches by 15 inches so it's not extremely small. It still fit in our backpacking backpacks when we wanted to, and we brought them everywhere backpacking with us. Um, you know, if you're a hardcore hiker and doing a long um, through hike, I wouldn't necessarily recommend them for the lightest or most compact option, um, but they will give you the warmth. I think that that it was really helpful for us for most of our car camping nights. Yeah, and... Um... It's, I would recommend look for, you know, we love the L.L. Bean brand. It was good to us. Um, they were actually one of our sponsors, so they were especially good to us. <laughs> but they, um, you can find good deals anywhere, you know, whether it's a website we like called steepandcheap.com, uh, Steep in Cheap, uh, REI Garage <laughs> steep Sales. Steep and Cheap. I think it's Steep in Cheap. Really? I think so. Even though it's an and? I thought it was steep and. Okay, well, just Google it. You'll find yeah. it. <laughs> Don't uh, listen to us. Then you also have some brands that are less high end. I wouldn't call them lower end, but. Medium end. Yeah. Like Alps. So right. we love Alps and probably we're biased because they're headquartered right in my hometown. Um, 
basically a small town Missouri, but they, um, you can find them, a lot of their stuff on Amazon. You could, they also have a website, um, but they're kind of like me, you know, not the, the highest quality, but our Alps, Mount, uh, Alps Mountaineering is the name of the brand. Um, our Alps Mountaineering tent, which is called the Zephyr, that lasted every single day for about eight months. So we would definitely vouch for their, um, their gear, especially their, maybe their, the higher end of what they offer is really good quality stuff. Right. It's for a really good value. Yeah. Really, really good. Especially if you're just, you know, getting into hiking and backpacking and camping, um, and you don't want to necessarily invest a lot of money into things, this would be a really, really good first step, I think. You can also find a lot of brands on Amazon like Kelty. I really like um, some of my Kelty gear and Mountain Hardware. Brands like that that you can find good deals on some of their maybe last season things on Amazon. So I would check Amazon for sure. Um, you know, don't get the cheapest stuff on Amazon because you'll get the cheapest quality for sure. Um, if you, you know, of course, how much you want to spend on your gear depends on how much you're going to use it and how much it's going to affect your well-being. So our philosophy was that if it affected our traveling well-being a lot, like a tent and a sleeping bag and boots and our quick set, we would spend a little bit more um, on those things. And then, you know, things that affected our well-being less, like clothes and technology things and entertainment and all of the fun, like frisbees and things we had, that was pretty much lower end quality. <laughs> and that just matters who you are and what you're wanting to do. And you have to make that call for yourself, I think. So you're saying we didn't get a $50 frisbee? <laughs> Not this time. Yeah. Is I don't that know all where the, you would find one of those. Is that all the, the bedding questions? So we use the same sleeping bag. We wouldn't necessarily recommend it for compact sleeping bag, but it was a really, really good, um, fairly compact um, year-round, multi-climate, 20 degrees. We probably slept in 20 degrees and also 80 degrees in these same sleeping bags. And they were really, mostly really good quality. Yeah, because in the, again, going back to the rectangular form, it makes it a lot more breathable. So you can kind of throw it off you uh, when it's a little hotter. So It's we, easy to lay it flat. Yeah. So you can unzip it flat and just use it like as a blanket or two blankets if you have two of them, you know, one underneath, one on top. And then if it's hot, you can kind of flip it halfway off of you that you can't, you don't really get that same effect with a mummy sleeping bag. Yeah. And um, so we'll link these all in our show notes, all of the, the gear that we used and then maybe some similar gear that you can find, similar quality, hopefully, um, of gear that we would recommend. So you can go look at those for all the details. Anything else? I'm trying to think. No, I was just again. Of course, we used really, we used pretty basic pillows. That didn't matter to us as much. We did not like our L.L. Bean down pillows. We will say that. They're just a little too thin. Really, Uh, really thin. Yeah. We just got cheap Walmart travel pillows and those were the best that we had. Right. Uh, And I was, again, surprised at how easy it was to backpack with the rectangular fairly big sleeping Mm -hmm. bags i didn't expect that but it was you could totally do it yeah well i think we prioritized that in our weight and i think it paid off for some of those cold backpacking nights for sure but thank you so much for the question and awesome comment also about natural bridges you know i think that's a perfect way to remind everyone of 
what we're talking about when we're talking about this theme of why the parks are parks to look beyond just the obvious, you know, Arches National Park to visit. And there are so many other amazing places around there in Utah. Um, if you are looking to avoid crowds and just discover a new off the beaten uh, off the beaten path place. Totally. We loved it. Um, so Carrie and everybody else, thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next week with more talk about parks, go figure, that have been protected for and named after their amazing trees. Yes, yeah, saguaro and sequoia. So if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud, or find us on social media at Switchback Kids. And you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. Over? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to cut that out anyway. And then put it at the end and make fun of you for being a nerd. <laughs> still probably gonna do that okay well i have my nerd facts now so